So this year we're looking at, um, and it hopes to prepare, equip, and inspire the body of Christ to understand the era that they are born in currently, the reason why God made you born at this time, why he called you to salvation in this era, in this year, to understand the soon coming in times is here. They're, they're right here. And as we have seen the war in Israel continue to escalate and nebulous torn down every single day, we recognize that it's a high probability that the Samaritans are no longer sacrificing this year at Jacob's well. Which means one of the last and final things that were necessary prophetically uh, for Christ's return is that the Samaritans nor the Jews would sacrifice at Jerusalem nor at Jacob's well. And we're looking like we're, we're, just, we're just there. And yet and still, people just be playing around. But the Bible says that you'll be building paneled houses while his temple lies in ruin. Now, the funny thing to me is I have so many complaints that I hear about people talking about the church of God. Even those Christians in-house talking about the disparity within the church of God. And, not, and then local members talking about the disparity in their local church. And it's the same folk that I see with lackluster participation of healing and restoration within the body of Christ. Oh, you got big talk. Hello, somebody. About how the pastor don't do this and how the pastor always do that and how the members do this and how the members don't do that. Oh, you run your mouth so much. So much. With your judgmental self. And I know the only reason you do it is because you got to deflect from your own issues. Just because I understand why you do it, don't make it right. Because the issue here is you're speaking about a whole bunch of stuff. You don't even know how it works. Why your whole flesh is taking over your life. Are we in the kitchen already? We? I, was, I don't know, but I, you know, I, I have not heard that somebody said something. So this means that the Lord just told on you, baby. And you're going to tell people that you know don't even already don't even like us. You were something else. You were something else. You were something else. And the reason they don't like us is because of you. <sighs> I'm trying to find a safe eye to look at. Zadrina, okay, there we go. How you doing? All right. Okay. <clears throat> I don't want to look in the direction that I think the Lord might be pulling this from. But there's, there's repentance at the altar. It will be open to you. New beginnings, new mercies, and new grace. But I'm on a kingdom assignment. My church is on a kingdom assignment, and we don't have any time to play. Now, you may play, but God don't play. You may play, but I'm not playing. Hello, somebody. So I'm determined to get a very strong group of warriors, not punks. A strong group of warriors, not the iffies. A strong group of warriors, not the doubters. A strong group of warriors prepared for the kingdom of God. You can dilly-dally all you want. Okay, that's on you. I know you're going to be here dilly-dallying. My job is to make sure that everybody sees you as a dilly-dallier and they don't follow in your footsteps. Yeah, Go ahead and sit on down. I like sifting. When my pastor used to talk about sifting, I'm like, dang it. Somebody got about to get weeded out. And I feel bad because it might be me. No, it's not. Those that are confident are like, I know it ain't going to be me. <laughs> 
and those that feel like a little bead of sweat showing up on their nose under that top lip at the crest of the forehead is already wondering if it might be me. I can't divide anybody. That's a day of judgment. Oh, but I surely enjoy denoting and notating what the difference between a tear and a weed is. I'm going to tell you the real from the fake all the time. Hello, somebody. All the time. All the time. I'm trying to get my entire congregation off word service and real service. Off talking about it and actually being about it. Do you understand? And I want to include you, but you so hard-hearted and stubborn. Self-centered and selfish. The only blessings you are so busy with is because the Lord decided to give you those blessings. Because you wasn't that busy when you ain't had no job. You wasn't that busy when you had no sense of direction. You was depressed because you didn't know what you were going to do with your life. You ain't had nobody to love you. You didn't have nothing. You ain't had no money. You oh, you was all in the house of God then. Now you got business and such. Things to do. Hello? Things to do. Right. You know, it ain't always about the church. Oh, okay. Baby, don't you know the whole story is about us? Yeah. He don't say believers. He say the church. Yeah. What are you sitting in? The church. Oh, it ain't the four walls. Prove it. Prove that it's not does not need a place to meet. Prove it. Prove, prove where I say y'all didn't got to meet. It was first born in a meeting. Yeah. In four walls. Oh, and they had to stay there until they got on one accord. Yeah, because yeah, they, they had unity of the same thought, same spirit, and same, and same heart. You messing up our unity, baby. I hope you feel uncomfortable. Go somewhere else with your lukewarm life. I don't need members like that. I need warriors. Period. There's enough churches out here that if you ain't quite feeling this kind of dedication, you can go there. I started that church like this, and I'm going to keep running that church. It ain't new. It's true. Hello. You, you don't like my attitude? You don't like my confidence in God because you're so insecure? Does my confidence in Christ agitate you because you are so unsure about your own salvation, calling, and purpose? I've tried to date this young man once. He was young. He was younger than me. He was like 30, 30 something. If you know me, that's not my type, okay? Men don't really become real men, in my opinion, till 50. <laughs> right when they start facing mortality. Like, oh, a ninja can die? Oh, I need, to get, I need somebody in my life. <laughs> and I'd be like, yep, come on. Come on, I'll be on your life. Before then, they think they he-man. You know, I can do anything. I don't need nobody bump her, bump me. It's all about me. Get that bag. Get that paper secure. You know, uh-huh. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, back start hurting. Knees start going out. <laughs> Jobs start being funny. You be like, you know what? What is the point of all this? Why am I doing all this work in the first place? Oh, oh. That's why I don't date young men, just so you know. And I never date anybody in my house. Let's just clarify that. Amen. So this, this ain't, I don't, I don't eat my sheep. I feed my sheep for slaughter. 
I, I feed you for slaughter, but I don't do the slaughtering. The Lord does. You become a willing sacrifice, nice and fattened because of the food that I gave you. Amen? Some of y'all just fat, but you ain't in the slaughter line. Oh, let me move on. But I tried to date this young man, and he was like, oh, I mean, you're wonderful. You're great. We have so much in common. You like to read. I like to read. You like business. I like business. You were Christian. I always knew that I was called to be a minister. It was really... It was going really nice, and, and then he said, you know, because I could just see, you know, where I'm taking my life in the next five to ten years, and, and I was like, mm. What I plan on doing with my life is, you know, as I could really see, I'm going to start with this, and then eventually I'm going to move on. He had all these great plans for his life, and I said, sir, this is not going to work. He said, why not? I said, you are planning your life. I have been doing what I've been called to do for over three decades. We're not in the same position. Some of you are testing me, and we're not in the same position of life. Amen. You're still trying to figure out the purposes that God has for you. I have been sitting in them for some of y'all longer than you've been alive. Amen. Amen. Studying ain't going to get you to this level. Mm -mm. You had to live that life. You can get a lot of intellect, but you, you didn't have the experience to go with what God was showing you, and it don't happen overnight. You don't become selfless overnight. You don't lay down your life all at one, su one sudden decision. Oh, no, it's little bitty ones over time that you just keep chipping away at it. Be a, your, thy will be done, oh God. Thy will be done. Thy will be done. Not mine. Your will. Your will. Your will. I don't need the job. Your will. I don't need that spouse. Your will. I don't need that money. Your will. I don't need that work position. Your will. I don't need that extra time. Your will. This happens over time. God is trying to move his entire body of Christ with great preparation for his return. Now faster than ever. And you are at a church that not only watches and sees what God is doing, and it's verifiable week after week, but also has word and a lifestyle transparent to say that you could do it too. You have no excuse for the way that you're living and handling God. You can't say that the word wasn't good. You can't say the pastor was fake. Can't say the people got on my nerves. Can't say the church was too cold, church too hot, the music wasn't good. No, you just want to be lukewarm. There's deliverance here at the altar. But you're going to have to come to grips where you're not trying to become a better version of you. You need to be a new version. And having a job and a degree is not making you new, baby. I know a lot of educated dumb people. The only reason the Lord wanted you to get a degree was so you might have something he could pull from. Not so that you could say, I finally arrived, because you ain't arrived nowhere. How many people got degrees and ain't using them? Oh, oh okay. So you can keep going to school. You can, I want to go to seminary. Oh, I'm so tired of that. You want to go to seminary? I don't even see you in every Bible study. You ain't at Sunday school. You, I want to go to seminary. You're going to spend $1,000 plus a year, a year. Uh, now 3000 Oh, Lord. 
so that she could feel like you're worthy to minister. And you still won't feel it. You still won't feel it. So this particular series last year on the Reformation was imperative. It was about us. And, and, and likeness of God, 2024 is about him. It's not about you. And every time your little head raises up to say, what about me? We're going to smack it down. We're going to smack it down so much that you're going to feel like, Pastor, when is it ever going to be about me? And I'm going to say, shut up. Because you knew what this was when you signed up for it. Amen. I've always told you the truth. Right? The only way a person could handle a lifestyle when it's not about you is when you're really in love. Yeah. And you don't love him enough. If I love somebody, I love everything they love. If I love my dad, I love his dog. You love me, you better love my dogs and you're going to have some problems. Right? I'll tell you, get out of my house, I'll never come back. Hello. Better learn to love them dogs. When you love someone, you love what they love. If you love God, you love his church. At some point, you grow up and recognize that the church is not just here to serve you. At different intervals and seasons of your life, it's now time for you to serve it. When do I serve it? When you get good. When your money a little decent right now. When you live in a situation a little stable. When you ain't really in no sin, no relationship problems. That's when you serve the church. Now that can fluctuate in your life. As, as we serve you, then you serve us, then we serve you, then you serve us. That's how it works. But at no point do you get better and then decide to reduce your service to the kingdom of God. Because then you're an opportunist. And I strongly dislike opportunists. You know, opportunists are the kind of person that will ask you for money one week, and then when they get some money, splurge on anything and everything they want. Right in front of your face. Pastor, can I have gas money? Sure. Next week, we're going to a lobster dinner. And in your mind, it seems reasonable, doesn't it? Doesn't it? Why? Because I didn't have the money then, but I have the money now. But you didn't even offer to say, let me, let me treat you to the lobster dinner. You know, it, even though, look, the lobster dinner could be more than what I gave you, but it was the fact that I gave you what you need when you needed it. You don't ever come back and say, Pastor, let me get your lunch. Oh, but you got bundles down. Bundles down. Hello. Hello. I've given people money in this house, and you've never said, let me buy your lunch. I am now looking at my audience going, you didn't, you didn't, you didn't, you didn't. You didn't, you didn't, you didn't, you didn't. Trifling. I'm trying not to look at nobody, Miss Dustin. Because sometimes with African Americans, you got to put it in their face because they be thinking they're not showing what they're showing. You're showing what you're showing. When you ain't have nothing, you ain't had no job here. Let me get you this. Let me get some gas. I need my insurance paid, my car insurance left. Okay, I got you. I got you. When did you ever come and say, Pastor, let me buy that lunch for you? Well, somebody always beat me to it. Why? Why? You can ask me now for next week. 
<laughs> now, please know this is not so I can get something from you. I got lunch money all day, baby. All day. This is to show you your insides. That you'll take from anybody you think got more than you. Because you've got such a victim mindset. That they're, they're supposed to give to you when you're down bad. Because you always down bad. The people that give to me is because, number one, they're good givers. Number two, I've been there for them. I told them, you're going to pay me back. They said, Pastor, I don't know how I could ever repay you. I said, don't worry. I got a lot of lunches stored up, a lot of dinners. I'd be, I'd be baffled when my check is still sitting in front of me. I'm like, oh, so ain't nobody been blessed by me in this table, huh? Y'all can scram us together. I got five. You got five. We got okay. We all got five on the past. We get that. Thank you, CCT. You right. You right. How many times you come and ask me for money and I said no, I ain't got it. Never, never. I said I got something on it. Just so you could see your insides, you just need to kind of bear. And why you ain't never give me no money? I ain't never asked you for no money. I paid for your retreat. Paid for your sweatshirts. Pay for your little t-shirts. Got your little kids to go on the little event. Don't worry about it. I'll take them to Chakey Cheese. Where you thought that stuff came from? Little Christmas presents for the babies. Little this for that. You ain't even get me a Christmas present. And for parents out there, you know loving on your kids is easier on your pocket. And since I love the kids and I love you, Anytime I see something cute, I'll be like, you know, Ari will look so cute in this. I'm about to get this. Because that's family. And as family, I'm going to tell you when you're wrong and selfish. You need to repent. Go ahead. I'll give you a couple seconds. Somebody might need to repent for not having no class. She's not going to use you as an example. She's way past this now. We had a whole conversation. She don't mind taking money from me. She passed this. One time, one time Sheena was, you know, single mom. It was just her and Eris. And she needed a couple things, a couple hundred dollars for Eris. I made sure I gave it to her. The next week, she had this fire purse. I mean, fire bag. I mean, it was fire. Name brand luxury. I was like, I said, ma'am. She said, no, Pastor, it was on the pay it forward plan. And I was like, that makes sense. But you need to have some class. If you need money for necessities one week, don't show up with luxury the next week. Buy it and keep it in the closet for a minute. This is, this is how you have class. Do you understand? Some of y'all need to have some class. I'm not telling you not to get it. You know, you got the kind of plan you can buy it in advance and pay on make payments. That's perfectly fine. But have some class about it. Amen. Act like you're grateful for when somebody Amen. came in and gave you what you needed when you didn't have it. If anything, you'd be like, Pastor, you want a wallet on my Bible phone plan? I, I could have got you a keychain on my Bible phone plan. I ain't got no money to pay you back, but I can get you this keychain. Class. Hey, when I go out, people don't know how no class. They're like, get out the car. I'm like, this is valet. <laughs> <laughs> I will not. 
Excuse me. Someone has to come open my door. They'll be like, this is a Ford uh, 2007 Pinto. I do not care. <laughs> Somebody go open my door today. They're like, this ain't even a luxury car. I, do not, I am luxury. I am the luxury in this Pinto. You ain't opening the car door for the car. You opening the car door for me. I went out with a guy one day, and uh, he, this is my dad, me and my dad was talking about this. And uh, you know, the first couple of times you date a guy, he'll you know, open the door for you, you know. You know, not this one, this one a lot, but he'll open it for you, you know. And after a while, you know, they stopped doing that. Maybe by the next day, they'd be like, oh, she good. This is me. That's what my mom did. That's what my dad did. And I just be standing there looking at it. Now you got to run from behind and open the door. Now everybody know you done messed up. You better be in front of me ready. Is it a door we about to go into? You ain't opening the door for the building. You opening the door for me. Hello? Hello? I'm trying to teach you class. This generation ain't gonna have it. These men ain't learning this. They not. But even if they don't learn it, you can give it to them. Because a man that wants you will do whatever you ask him to do. Amen. Tell him, Minister Hudson. I ain't doing all that for a woman. You ain't doing all that for the right woman, for the wrong woman, but you'll do it for the right one. Amen. We know this to be a fact. Hello. If he ain't opening the doors, he ain't sending you the money, he ain't doing, he don't want you. He gonna be alone, right? Or uh, really a low class individual. And class is not about money, class is about understanding value. And so low class individuals have a misunderstanding of value, which means they ruin things that are good and keep things that are bad which means your life is going to be miserable because you decided to hook up with somebody that has no class. Well, I'm not into that old school stuff. Oh, you're not into value. Oh, you're into the new modern, you know, you know, print it and make it instant microwave stuff. Oh, but you want a luxury bag. It's luxury because the brand has survived. You don't know that's what you're buying? Oh, no, you like to buy the Louis Vuitton that's not real leather. That just has the monogram on it. On canvas. Because it's got to have the emblem all over it for it to be genuine. No, ma'am. It's a good place to start in your 20s. If you're into luxury. Me, I'm in a Stocks, bonds, investments, and businesses. <laughs> you, you, got, you got stuff? Mm -mm, I ain't buying none of that. <laughs> Anything luxurious you see on my body, I did not buy it. It was gifted to me. Somebody else used day money and bought this iconography of a pocketbook, and I now wear it. And I am grateful for it. So grateful. You give me, make me look glamorous, and it ain't even my money. Because I'm too practical. My money going to go to bills. 
but you just want to bless my soul. Because y'all be, I, I know people be talking about what I got or what I don't have. Where I go and where I don't go. They don't even, you don't, you, don't, you don't even know. You don't even know. And you use this to justify why you mismanage your money and not give it to the kingdom. That's why I have to have this conversation. Because you use what I look like as the reason for what you do with your money. Not recognize that I already paid my dues. How many years you work without a salary? How many years you work without a salary? Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Today we're going to look at the word made flesh. The kingdom of God is not observable. The word made flesh. The kingdom of God is not observable. This year we're looking at scientific proofs and experiments that are being done and conclusions that are being made with proper science. Not hypothesis, but experiment after experiment after experiment has proven this to be a, a scientific fact. And those scientific facts point and echo directly at what the Bible says the kingdom of God is like. It reveals the very nature of the body of Christ and the spiritual realm and scientists are uncovering it scientifically where the Bible tells us by faith it's already present. There's now in this day and age a juxtaposition between faith and nature. And the science is showing that science is the same as what we see faith-wise. Wow. Like they're, they're describing the same thing. One uses earthly means to get to the conclusion, and the other one uses spiritual means to get to the same conclusion. But what they're uncovering is the exact same stuff. Yeah. What is happening when science is walking on the same proof line as the word of God? What type of revelation is now coming to every non-believer? The stuff you and I held by faith and believe by faith and participate in by faith without knowing or seeing, but just trusting the Father, they're now uncovering that this is exactly how all this stuff works, that the unseen realm is scientifically proven and knowable. And there's no difference between the scientific unseen world and the faith-wise unseen world. Do you know what this means? It means that non-believers are gonna have to come to the truth that you hold in your belly every day. Yeah. And they will have to decide. It's no longer gonna be an opinion. I don't wanna believe in faith because nobody can really see that. No, they are showing you, here it is. Yeah. Good. And it's gonna be same, same. So either you're gonna conclude that man did this or God did this. And now we have 50% of scientists saying it has to be a God. So now scientists are coming across the line to say all evidence points, we've got to follow the evidence, all evidence points that there was an intelligent creator. Yeah. Now it's a battle of who's the creator. Just as the Bible said, the God and the other gods. Good, this just being revealed just, it's one thing to reveal visions and spiritual realm to prophets. 
to ministers, to priests. It's another thing to say, ha-ha, here it is, to non-believers. This is the day and age you were called to serve in. Amen? So today we're going to look at how the kingdom of God is not observable. On a couple weeks ago when we were looking at uh, thy kingdom come, the word made flesh, thy kingdom come, we looked at entanglement, right? Let's kind of review that for a second. Quantum entanglement is the idea that the smallest bits of matter, um, when they're split, when one is split, that they remain forever connected to each other instantaneously. So whatever you do to one instantaneously changes conversely the other one. If you hit one photon, he goes spins north, then the other photon, no matter the distance, spins south. And this happens instantaneously, which threw away a whole bunch of assumptions that nothing can move faster than the speed of light, but immediate is faster than the speed of light. So now every bit of matter, everything that makes up our universe is connected regardless of the distance. That's what we learned last week. Yes? Yeah. All right. And not only are they connected, but they transfer and relate information, even if they have to go back in time to know what's happening before it actually happened. Yeah. And that this, this knowing how we observe whether the, the proton or the photon is spinning north or spinning south, that our observation from what we learned last week and the week, week before that, our observation as humans determine whether that thing is a solid yes or a realm of possibilities. And experiment after experiment after experiment has proven to scientists that human observation determines reality. If you don't understand that concept, you have to go back and listen to some of the podcasts in this season earlier, okay? But we went through it last week, um, greater detail, week, and then the, the first one, it, it, it builds. So start with number one and go up, okay? But now, this means that scientists are coming to the conclusion that the Bible has already said that human consciousness is what governs the domain of the earth. It's not just our rule in terms of where that sheep going, where that cow going, but our mere observation, how we see according to the will of God, will say that that thing has to go north or that thing has to go south. And nothing is anything, nothing is manifested according to God's will until we, as his agents on earth, observe it. That we're a reflection of him. He wants north, north. Was that a cow? Cow. And it's something about a human's consciousness that is ever present in bringing reality real. Does that make sense? We learned this from last week. There was an experiment we went over where they left the computer on to judge it, but would not allow themselves to get information. It was still a possibility. Until humans say we want to observe it, it all says possibilities. So you can have a mechanism that measures it, but if you don't look to find out that measurement, it's still a realm of possibilities, even though something was present to measure it. So this doesn't mean testing is not sufficient. It's how does man view the knowledge of what they ascertain from that test. And the knowledge of the human causes reality to surface. This is a scientific fact. 
that your dominion is in that you are reflecting God's creative power as you bring forth or manifest his word to be done here. You're not just saying what it is, but you are causing thy will, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. And he chose to use humans to cause that, right? Doesn't have to, but that's the way he chose it. So now, Adam, what do you say that is? It's a giraffe. It's a giraffe. I knew it. What do you say? It's a cat. It's a cat. I know it. Uh -huh. It's a cat all day, all day, all day. Because now mankind is getting the information of what God is that want, God wants and now observing it by faith. Right? Yeah. Now we're looking at it according to the will of God being done, not according to how we measure. Yeah, Eating of the tree of knowledge and evil said that now we're going to judge things based off of our senses. Whereas we were supposed to judge things based off of the spirit of God. Now, Christians having the promise, being endowed by the spirit through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, now know what should be happening and what is real by the spirit of God and not the way it looks or how it appears. It was a fun, interesting trait that I discovered God gave me a gift of doing <laughs> yesterday. <laughs> Somebody had a, a date and um, he showed me his picture, you know. He said, he's cute. I was like, let me see. He's cute. And he said, I said, yeah, he's cute. He's real cute. You know, he just flashed it to me. I said, is, is he a believer? She was like, I don't even know. I said, let me see the picture. Flash. Oh, he's a believer. He was like, how you know? I don't know. I just know. And I said, let's test and see if I'm right. Text him right now and ask him. And what was he? A believer. He was a believer. Out of all the men that these girls date that are non-believers. <laughs> all of them. There's something that is happening that you have an ability as a believer through the spirit of God to ascertain what is true and what is a lie. All the time. What is light, what is dark. All the time. This is why when y'all be lying, I be like, Why? Why do you test the spirit of God? Do you really? And, and me, I have nothing to do. I, I'm not going to curse you or nothing. I'm not laying hands on people dying or dropping dead. That is not my ministry. But what it does for us, it just destroys our relationship. Yeah, man. It does. Yeah. Lying is not necessary. Yeah. Right? It corrupts your spirit, allows demons to attach to your actions, and puts distance between you and the person that is called by God to watch for your soul. Yeah. Lord, yeah. Lying is completely unnecessary. Because Satan hides in secrecy. Satan hides in secrecy. I say to the saints, the devil is using you. How you know the devil is using me? Because you got secrets. Well, how come I can't see him? Because he hides in secrecy. He ain't hiding from me. I see him. He's hiding from you. The one who's keeping up with all the secrets. You can't see him because you're the one with the secrets. I can see him because I know the difference between light and dark. I don't feel Satan on me. I know. You can hear an off-note uh, off key in a song, can't you? Yeah, that's how easy it is to me. Pastor, I wasn't even... Mm -mm. Mm -mm. But that's not even how I, mm-mm, mm-mm, mm-mm. 
Mm-mm. Mm-mm. But most of the time, I just I keep my face like this. Mm. Mm. <sighs> and I walk off. <laughs> the kingdom of God is not observable. Let's go to Luke chapter 17 as one of our key scriptures. And then I'm going to play a video for you. Oh, yeah, you're going to need a video on this one. I've already placed this video in your group me. So you, because you're going to want to watch it when you get home, because this lady goes very fast. I'm going to try to stop her to give you some summaries of what she's saying. But if you've never heard these topics before, you are going to want to go back, slow down and study it. To those of you that were here back in 2018, you've heard these topics before. It was one of the hardest concepts you guys had to grasp. And so hopefully this will be a nice review. Okay? The kingdom of God is not observable. Luke chapter 17, verses 20 through 21. Being asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, he, being Jesus, answered them, the kingdom of God is not coming in ways that can be observed. Nor will they say, look, here it is, or there. For behold, the kingdom of God is within you. Some translations say the kingdom of God is in your midst or in the midst of you. Jesus is telling them, they're asking the question, when is the kingdom of God coming? And Jesus answers the question with where. They ask when? He answers with where. Einstein's theory of relativity says that you cannot have space without time. And you cannot have time without space. So they call it space time. So if I clap my hands, you cannot just say I clap my hands at 102. You have to say I clap my hands at 102, at longitude, latitude, at this space. Right? So time and space go together. Okay? So when they asked, when is the kingdom of God coming? Jesus answered with where. All right? I want us to look at a video involving um, quantum mechanics. It's a summary, a crash course in quantum mechanics. Okay? It's Einstein's theory of special relativity. Special relativity. I'm going to give you a, a blanket summary, and she's going to give you a lot of details, okay? Um, then I'm going to try to break down what she's saying. But the, because some of you guys need, a, you need the conclusion up front. So the theory of general of special relativity says that time and space is different based off of the observer. General relativity says, general relativity says that you know, light travels at this, uh, everything travels at the speed of light, you know, and it's pretty much the same if we're all moving together. Special relativity says that what you're observing is different than someone else if you are both in two different frames of references and are stationary. Okay, with the ball dropping, yeah, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So what he's saying is that Either time shortens based off of distance, or uh, based off the, the location of the observer, yeah. or uh, uh, your distance might shorten based off of the location 
of the observer. It is relative to who is observing it. Okay? It varies based off of who's observing it. All right, so what I see on my frame, let's say this is my frame, length, x, y, axis, z, you know, the depth, the width out there, and that will be a point in time, right? So if I'm standing here, my uh, x-axis cuts through here, my y-axis cuts through there, this is my frame, all right? Like in ballet, this is my frame. Uh, uh, my gene would be here in my frame. That location there is a point, x, y. Yeah. Remember that from math class? Right? But it's also a point of time. Because in a couple of minutes, she might be out there. So she's only here now at a specific time. Okay? So that's my frame. Now, for uh, Stefan, his frame, where she is and when she's there is different. Because he has a different frame of reference. Does that make sense? Okay. All right. Let's, let's see what they say. The <clears throat> reason why they have to say it's in a vacuum is because there are always particles that are moving around um, with what we would consider empty space that could slow down a photon moving. So the experiment is done in a vacuum to reduce the amount of interference of the light, okay? Good. Special relativity applies to um, people on two different reference frames and they're not moving, but they could be moving in relation to one another. Does that make sense? So the guy on the train, for him, he's just standing on the train. He's not moving his frame, which is the train. The girl on the platform, she's just standing on the platform. She's not moving her frame in reference to the platform. Does that make sense? Yeah. So special relativity is, is only when the people on two different uh, frames are not moving and you're trying to measure something, the same event. Does that make sense? Yeah. So you're not moving, I'm not moving, and from our different frames, we want to measure an event that is taking place, okay? Not a thing, an event, which is different than just a random thing, okay? All right. Okay, so that is the, that's the first postulate, that everything between that car and my car, we, we both got the same rules. And if we both have the same rules, then I don't know in my frame whether it's me moving around you or you moving around me. And then this postulate says, or uh, it says that it doesn't even matter because it's the same thing. It doesn't matter who's moving around who, because it's the same. You have to keep that in mind, okay? All right. All right, let's, let's soak that in for a second, okay? Because this is not complicated. So I want you to slow down for a second because you know this. This makes logical sense, right? You can tell how far our car is going based off of the, the speed it was going and when it got there. Does that make sense? If I know my car is going uh, 30 miles per hour and I got there at 3 o'clock, then I know how many miles I've traveled. Does that make sense? Yes? Okay, so speed times time equals distance. All right, does that make sense? Everybody remember that? Yeah. Now, if I divided both the sides of the equation by V, which will be speed, then time will be distance divided over what? Speed, which makes sense. If I want to know how long it's going to take me to get somewhere, then I could just look on the map, see how far the distance is, and know how far I can drive in the speed limit, and that will tell me what time I'm going to get there. Yeah. Yes? Say yes? Yeah. Okay, I just want to make sure, because 
these are basics, and sometimes when it goes so fast, if you don't log in your brain that you know this, you start getting confused. You know this. This makes logical sense. Yeah. All right, cool. Light is, a, is what we use to ascertain reality. The matter is made up of light particles. How you see an event is made up of light particles. Everything is made up of light. It's either made up of light, held together by light, or observed by light. That's why Jesus is the light. Everything that was made was made by him or through him, and nothing that was made was made apart from him. Okay, so that's the same thing as it relates to tangible light. So they're saying the speed of light is always constant. So no matter what, if the speed of light is the same and you get different numbers and either the time changed or the distance changed, and that's key. So if I clap my hands and when you see it, when Danielle sees it and when Stefan sees it, they should see it at the same time, right? Yeah. At the same time. But something about that is not true because if, if it traveled at the same time, but he gets it at a different um, distance or a different time. Yeah. Does that make sense? Because the light itself has to move at a specific speed. Yeah. So the speed of light is the same. That means when I clap my hands, they both should be able to see it at the same time. But they don't. Uh, this is, that's what they're saying. Okay, let's move on. So this is time dilation. Dilation means to get bigger, right? to expand, so, so the speed of light is the same, it's a constant. You flash, you flash the flashlight, it's gonna hit the mirror at the same amount of time, okay? But now, the, the, the frame of reference for Bob, he's stationary, he sees it flash, 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 no problem. The girl on the platform, when she sees the same light, even though it travels at the same speed, there's something that happens because now it takes longer for that same amount of light at the same speed to get to her. Yeah. Okay? Does that make sense? Yeah. Like the ball, it's like, think of the flashlight like a ball. It's traveling at the same speed. I threw the ball at the same speed. It bounced off, right? For me on the platform, it's bouncing at the same speed. For her, when I bounce it and I'm moving forward, it's going to be here. Does that make sense? Yeah. So that increased the time, even though the speed of the ball or the light did not change. Because that's the part that gets confusing. The speed of light is not the same as time. Okay? So in this, time has expanded or dilated for the person on the frame of reference at the platform. Because she is further away from the actual light source or the event. Okay? So for the girl on the platform, that particular event happened a long time. For the guy on the train, that particular event happened very fast. That's why they say when you go in outer space, you age slower because you are so many light years away. Okay? All right. The first equation, she's just mathematically explaining, give you the equation for the thing that we just saw. Okay? So what they're trying to make sure you know is what you observe is also mathematically true and vice versa, okay? Because mathematics is a pretty much universal language in terms of a standard of anything. So she's trying to prove that it makes mathematical sense as well as observatory sense, okay? Time can pass differently for people depending on their frame of reference. 
Come out of preach if you let it. Time will pass differently for people depending on their frame of reference. That is a great biblical summarization of what we just looked at scientifically, okay? Because there's biblical references to that. Time will pass differently for people depending on their frame of reference. All right? We can go on? All right. Okay, so what they're saying is for the person on the platform, the girl on the platform, in her frame of reference, the lightning struck how? At the same time, instantaneously, because her frame of reference is not moving. It, her frame of reference is immovable. But for Bob, who is on the train, he is moving. So there is one after the other. There's cause and effect. One happened before, the other happened after. But for the person on the platform, it was the same. Christ was slain from the foundations of the earth. How could you be uh, predestined to be saved and also not predestined to be saved based off of your choices? It's depending upon your frame of reference. Are you immovable or are you on the platform that is moving? Y'all not enjoying this? I mean, scientists are solving, in my, in my humble opinion, theological problems just based off of experiment yeah. and understanding what our, re, our creation, what God created, really, how it really operates, right? Yeah. So to us moving, it was a before and after. But to someone outside of our time and space, on a platform that is immovable, it is instantaneous. Isn't that good? you need to know your Bible. People are like, I don't know what we're talking about, but uh, apparently it's an amen. Yeah. And it ain't because of the science. You just don't know the word of God. Told you to be in Sunday school. So what they're saying is if you're standing still and you measure the train, it's 100 meters, okay, for both of you, right? But because light travels at a constant speed, if Bob is measuring it, it's 100 meters. But if you're measuring the train, okay, at this time, at this uh, time, it gets here. At 12.01, the front hits. By 12.05, the back hits. You should be able to know, the di if it's traveling at a certain uh, miles per hour, you should know the distance, how long that train is. What he's saying is that because time dilates, that also distance gets smaller. So by a very, very little bit, the actual distance of the train has gotten smaller. Yeah? yeah. <laughs> this, is, this is a big deal because this would mean that at certain speeds, at speeds of light, that there would be no distance between us and anything else. Does that make sense? That based off of your frame of reference, you could, you could be I could be here and Italy could be there based off of your frame of reference and what's moving and what's not moving. Yes? This also helps with understanding the entanglement. The entanglement experiment also showed that there's no distance that has to be traveled for those two photons to, to engage. The distance is completely alleviated. Even though that photon was shot you know, to another country, 
They change instantly. So now distance has no bearing on what reality is. Let's look, let's look at a, a couple of things. I want to show you one more video. It's really quick because there's, uh, there's scientific proof that shows what our um, universe really looks like. And a lot of us in our mind, we think, <laughs> we think of our universe where the sun is in the center and all the planets are kind of rotating around it, right? The sun is stationary and we're all just la, 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 la. But there's another um, uh, um, uh, illustration of really what our universe looks like, okay? What I wanted you to see is that our universe is just not stagnant. It's constantly moving through the space, the, the darkness around it, and it has a pattern and, and all this other kind of stuff he's trying to get into, dark matter, which we're gonna look at a little bit today. But it's not just everybody's just doing this, it's everybody's doing this as it's coming forward, okay? So that means you have a lot of frames of references that are changing on a consistent basis. It's not just nobody, all of us are constantly moving. So the idea that our frames of references are moving sig signifies that time and space dilate and contract for us. Does that make sense? Because we're the moving thing, right? When we're here, we feel like we're inertia, we're not moving. But if you were outside of our frame of reference, what we're doing has already happened, will happen, and is going to happen at the same time because we are a moving uh, uh, frame of reference collectively. How you feeling? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Which answers a lot of, you know, I'm, I was saved, I'm being saved, and I shall be saved, you know. Uh, uh, he's the, the alpha and omega, uh, duh. He's all outside the frame. He all outside the frame. He can see everything all the time. What the Spirit of the Lord allows us to do when we live by the Spirit, pray by the Spirit, allows us to have the perspective of God. So now we get to see things from his frame of reference. Make sense? Which is why I could say, no, you are a Christian even before you looking like a Christian. Does that make sense? Because the, then the Father says, I give you keys to the kingdom. Whatsoever you bind to salvation is bound on earth and in heaven. That's the authority that is given to those disciples of Christ. If I say you will be born again in Jesus' name, all of heaven honors that binding. Does that make sense? That's why my grandmama prayed for me. All of heaven honors that binding because apparently she was trusted enough to give keys to the kingdom for it doesn't happen to everybody all of y'all don't have not earned the keys of the kingdom you are not trusted does that make sense you're not trusted there was a specific group of disciples at that time that was entrusted with the kingdom the keys of the kingdom and they continued to pass those on and as a matter of fact pastors should be able to trace their lineage of ordination to the first apostles does that make sense? Because everyone is ordaining the next generation of leaders going all the way back to the 12 apostles, which is why I love my pastor. And they have record of his ordination and his ordination before his ordination and his ordination years and years and years and years and years, years. That's why no one could just say I'm a pastor without collectively an established group of pastors saying now you're a pastor. Yeah. That's good. That's good. That's make sense? Yeah. Right, because now you're giving keys and whatsoever you bind is bound. Whatsoever you loose is loose. Yes? That's why I'm going to tell people, leave my church. No, you're still saved. 
I don't want to loose you from Christianity. No, you're saved. You're not going to be at this church. Right? Amen. Amen. You're still my brother and my sister in Christ. Yes? All right. But when you're speaking to people in your family that you want saved, you're praying. I'm praying for their salvation. If God has given you that key and you're in a trusted individual who has learned the the ways and the will of God, by faith, you know that person is coming to God. Period. Yes? Because the prayers of the righteous, it all goes together. Yes? Because you have an opportunity as those who have the keys of the kingdom to have the perspective of God. Yeah? That's how we could say Mother Bell is going to come off that life support and walk in the church. You have perspective of what God is doing. Mama Jean is going to be healed of breast cancer. It's not going to be unto death. All you have to do is go to the Father, see it from his vantage point, and then you come back and you know. It's extremely simple when you are trusted by the Father. Without that trust, you are just Pharaoh's uh, prophets trying to make serpents. Do you understand? That's witchcraft, is obtaining the means without in ways that God did not approve of. That's why some ways we don't believe in declaring and decreeing because I don't know if you really got that from the Father or just are applying a word randomly because you like it there. Was that the perspective of God in this time and space or is it just something you think you can use right now? There's a difference between that, yeah? So I was trying not to focus on declaring and decreeing because most of my church is not in a perspective to really want to know and do the will of God. So I don't want you declaring and decreeing nothing. It's superstition. Yes? But as you mature, right? As you mature, like Prophetess uh, Barbara, Minister Monifa, Minister Hudson, as you mature, when you say something, we hold on to that. Mr. Monifa blessed me on yesterday evening. When she says something, I receive it because she has matured in the things of God. When my dad prays for me and now the pain is lifting, I receive it. Mother Bell, I receive it because those are those who have been matured and seasoned in the things of God. You young little whippersnappers coming in and out of sin every other week. Baby, please sit down. I know I got kingdom authority. (laughs) No, you don't. You are under my tutelage. That's what the Bible says. You have to, you're under my care. I teach you the ways of your father until you are old enough and not need me to tell you. But you ain't out here declaring stuff without me. And whatever stuff you declare, you're like, mm-hmm, because Jesus said. I'm like, yes, he did. You know, you think he real big because some person got healed. So I said, I passed, I prayed and they got healed. I said, mm-hmm, amen, baby. See why you got to have respect? See why you got to have respect? You got to have respect for your minister. Do you see why? Respect for your intercessory prayer leader. Do you see why? Your upcoming prayer leader. Ain't nobody gave you no keys, Ricky Bobby. You know, sinning every other day. Can't control your lust. Can't control. Hello? And even if ain't a sin, it's so much iniquity. It just ain't right. Your heart ain't right. It just ain't right. I mean, technically it ain't sin, but technically the Lord, no, it ain't good for you. Oh, we don't want to talk about that part, huh? Righteousness means a removal of iniquitous hearts. It ain't just that you do something. It's that you are something. Hello, somebody. Oh, okay. 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 Um, yeah. All right. 
In Luke chapter 19, Jesus gives a parable of how the kingdom of God is operating or is going to operate, right? In Luke chapter 19, Jesus is giving a parable about the kingdom of God. Um, uh, and it starts off at verse 11. Um, as they heard these things, what things? The things about Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus was um, a tax collector and he was a Jew. And a Jew being a tax collector means, for the most part, that you are not righteous. You're lying, you're an opportunist, you're bending the rules to get personal gain. Um, definitely not what he's supposed to be as an Israelite, okay? But Jesus wants to go have dinner at Zacchaeus' house, and that one action of Jesus coming to his home caused everybody was like, oh, how could he? Zacchaeus is terrible. He ain't even a real Christian, you know? And Zacchaeus then he decides that I want to give all the money back to the people that I cheated and then plus four times. So when, he meets, when Jesus reaches out to him, he wants to make amends for the wrong that he's done. Some of y'all, Jesus come into your life and you just feel like it's been erased and you ain't got to do nothing else. No, you need to go back and tell the truth. You need to go back and apologize. Hello, somebody. You need to go back and try to clean it up. Hello? If you ate all the food, put the food back and wash the dishes. You understand? It's four times. A real encounter with Christ means that you want to represent him properly, not just the way you think he, you, you feel comfortable with. One of the things I hated, hated about my previous relationship is I came to the conclusion that you only give me what you want me to have, not what I ask for. That's not love. At some point, you need to give me what I ask for, even if that requires sacrifice and not make do with whatever you feel like is sufficient for me. Make sense? Because that gets tiring at some point. Hello? <clears throat> so when they realize that today salvation has come to the house of Zacchaeus since he's the son of Abraham, and Jesus said, I'm coming to save the lost. The lost what? The lost sheep of Israel. Those who know God that are not living like they know God, and they should be. So I'm approaching them rather than just running away from them and say, oh, you should have known better. I'm looking for them. Hello, somebody. And all the stuff I, I chastened you on this morning is because the Father is looking for you to do right. He's not just saying, get away from me, you did wrong. He's chasing you. You are a believer. You should know better. Let's do better. I'm looking for you. I'm visiting your house today. Right? Amen. So then the parable of the ten uh, minutes comes up. Minus, minus. Anybody want minus, minus, minus. Whatever you want it to be, Okay. As they heard these things, he proceeded to tell a parable because he was near to Jerusalem and because they supposed that the kingdom of God was to appear immediately. Again, this is about time. The appearance of the kingdom of God at a specific time, okay? So Jesus said, therefore, a nobleman, a nobleman went into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom and then return. This particular verse is very real to the current events that are happening in, in their day. Uh, the the uh, Herods have changed leadership. Herod's son is now in charge. Uh, the former Herod's son, he's got like four sons. They all want to be the next patriarch and they're all vying for position. So they're leaving their towns to go to Rome to say, give me the kingdom. Okay. okay. 
and, and they end up dividing all of that into four different parts for four different sons, okay? So when he's telling this parable, they're like, yeah, they understand because that's just what's happening in the, in the Oval Office right now, you know? They have that type of thing, okay? So calling 10 of his servants, he gave them 10 minutes. You need to underline that. Calling 10 servants, he gave them 10 minutes, minutes and said to them, engage in business until I come. Verse 14, but his citizens hated him and sent a delegation after him saying, we do not want this man to reign over us. So in essence, he said, I'm going to go try to make sure I get my kingdom. I got to go back to the father to, to receive my kingdom. Like they, the Tatrax had to go to Rome to now say the kingdom is yours. Okay. So I'm going back while I'm going, my servants, y'all take this money and you, you make it happen. Now, what is, why is it important to do business? Because nations need money to be affluent. Right. If you're going to run a nation, you're going to have to make money. Right. Right. Again, if you have a nation, we a nation. We broke. You was not a nation. Somebody about to make you a nation. <laughs> you can't be a nation broke. Right? You're going to be a viable nation. You have to have money. Right. So now you're in the business of building the kingdom, which is the business of multiplying this menace. Make sense? Okay. So when he goes, the people, the citizens, not the servants, complain and say, we don't want him to rule over us. And they send a group of people to Rome to go complain, you know, hypothetically. We don't want him over us. When he comes back, the kingdom is given to him. He comes back. Let's see what happens next. Uh, when he returned, verse 15, having received the kingdom, he ordered those servants to whom he had given the money to be called to him that he might know uh, what they had gained by doing business. The first came from, uh, before him saying, Lord, your minna has made me 10 more minutes. And he said to him, well done, good servant, because you have been faithful in a very little, you shall have authority over 10 cities. And the second came saying, Lord, your minna has made me five minutes. And he said to him, um, and he said to him, and you are to be over five cities. Then another came saying, Lord, here is your minna, which I kept laid in a handkerchief. For I was afraid of you because you are a severe man. You take what you did not deposit and you reap where you did not sow. He said to him, I will condemn you with your words, you wicked servant. You knew that I was a severe man taking what I did not deposit and reaping what I did not sow. Why then did you not put my money in the bank? And at my coming, I might have collected it with interest. And he said to those who stood by, take the minna from him and give it to the one who has 10 minutes. And they said to him, Lord, he has 10 minutes. I tell you that to everyone who has more, who has more will be given. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. But as for these enemies of mine who did not want me to reign over them, bring them here and slaughter them before me. There are two groups of people here. It starts off with the enemies, and it goes into his actual servants, and then it concludes with the enemies. Okay? Servants and enemies, two different groups. Yes? Now, let's, let's break down this parable a little bit before I show you the next parable. Okay. One that we have to highlight here is that each of these uh, servants were given the same amount of minutes. Now that's good. That's good. Call, he called for 10 servants, and they all received 10 minutes. Hello? Does that make sense? Okay. 
So based off of how much they increased that mina, they were rewarded with so many cities. So Jesus says, I have to go. When I go, then the spirit of God will come, and then I will return. So our, 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 our uh, nobleman has already left, and he's given us the business of the kingdom. And to all of us, he's given the same amount of menace. We have the same mercy. We have the same grace. We have the same power in his name. We have the same Holy Spirit. We have the same ability to pray. All of us have given, been given the exact same number of menace. But not all of us have put in the same amount of effort. One with 10, put in all the effort, got 10 more. Yeah. Another one with 10, put in some effort, got five. Hello, somebody. The one with one said, this way, you so harsh. What he's really saying is, you're God, and you can make stuff happen out of nothing. What am I supposed to do? You're God. You're Jesus. You can make miracles. What am I supposed to do? You're Jesus. You can forgive easily. What am I supposed to do? You're Jesus. You can, you can, you can have more self-control. What am I supposed to do? You're Jesus. You can calm your temper. What am I supposed to do? I know you're going to be a harsh man, so at least I kept my faith. But you didn't do anything. You just kept that one, that 10 minute, and you just hit it. You didn't even do nothing with it. And the rewards of God's kingdom are given based off of effort. I mean, I know you didn't think that while you sinning every other day, we going to have the same reward. I'm crying nightly while you're talking and running my name through the mud because of your sinful hearts. And we're going to have the same reward when we get to heaven. No, we both have the reward of going to heaven. But when it comes to those that will reign with God, baby, you is not going to be on my reigning team. Oh my Jesus. No. It's not going to happen. Anybody drove through a, a Buckhead? Buckhead? The mansions in Buckhead? Gorgeous. Woo! If you ever take some of them back roads in Buckhead, woo! I mean, it's mansion after mansion after mansion after mansion. And I just be driving through there like, it is money out here to be made. Like, and you can't be like, where's everybody getting this money from? Okay, like, I mean, house after house. This is just one community in the state of Georgia. There's more communities than this one in Georgia. And there's more communities in this nation than Georgia. And there's more communities in this world. There is money out here to be made. Then I'd be thinking, they, they, they father probably gave them half that money. They probably started off good, you know what I'm saying? They probably had, you know, a little, uh, uh, you know, some money off the side, you know, some, some um, uh, what's it called? When heritage. Her heritage, you know, some, some will money left over to them, you know, trust yeah. money, you know. Yeah. Right, see what I'm saying? That's how I, we ain't had nobody in our family had no leftover money. <laughs> and the same will happen in heaven. You'll be looking at mansions and you'll be looking at rulers going, what did they do? And they're going to say, run the tape. That's what I did. I cried this night. I served that night. I sacrificed this day. I worked that day. This is what I did, baby. Oh, there was a legacy left that I made on earth. Oh, Lord. 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 Oh, Lord
case you wanted to know. In case you wanted to know. Like, Pastor, I'm going to live beside you. Oh, we don't take the scrubs in my neighborhood. You can't afford the taxes. <laughs> Go on down there to the bank head, not buck head. But at least we here. At least we here. At least we here. But you don't have to take the at least we're here approach. You're hearing now and given the same amount of menace, the same ability to prosper and to grow. You don't have to determine that you're going to be broke in the future. You could determine that you're going to be wealthy. You're so busy losing all the time, you can't even learn when to start winning. He's telling you, if you want to win big up there, put in the work down here. If somebody would just give me a chance, I know I could do something. No, you can't. Because you ain't doing nothing of any value now. Come to the prayer service. Oh, I can't. Come to the outreach. Oh, I can't. I can't. But you're so mad about being broke here. You're so mad that you had a rough start here. I ain't know my daddy. I ain't know my mama. We ain't never had this. We was always poor. Oh, you so mad. I don't see you making no changes for the eternity. You're just making changes for more temporary. Oh, did you get a promotion? You're going to be the CEO? Great. You, you ain't going to be on CEO in heaven. Because why sow where moth can eat it? Sow where it's everlasting. You got a pastor telling you, baby, there's wealth everlasting. If you look at this parable, nothing stopped. Bring my enemies, I'm going to kill my enemies, and y'all just start ruling over cities. No, you, you, nothing changed. Nothing stopped. Yeah. It wasn't like he came down. He was like, destroy everything. Now you guys start ruling. He was like, you go there, you go here, you go there. Keep it moving. Yeah. Keep it moving. Yeah. That's what it's going to be like. It's going to be a continuation of this life. Not a new life. Your new life happened when you got born again. Now, heaven is a continuation of your current life. It's a continuation. You go, like, oh, I'm dying. Now I'm a brand new person. You may be different, but you're not new. The new happened here. If it ain't happening here, you ain't going there. How should I know you got a new life? Because a new life shows new priorities. I need somebody to hold me. Oh, no, you need to go to heaven. Yeah. I need somebody to lay beside me. No, you need to go to heaven. You need new priorities. If your priorities have not changed for the kingdom, I don't think you've been born again. You just have better morals. Your priorities change when you're born again. Because now you see from a different frame of reference. Yeah. You still see this own frame. Oh, look at it. Oh, I need my money. Oh, I need somebody to love me. Oh, you gonna marry me? You gonna be my girlfriend, my boyfriend? That's why we don't talk the same. Pastor, it, I don't know. It's easy for you because it's you because you're the pastor. No, it's easy for me because I got born again and walk it out by faith. And you're just trying to be a better version of yourself and not a completely different version. 
When you get saved, when my dad got saved, everything about his life and priority changed. And it was evident in my family. Completely evident. He was like, we're going to church. <laughs> Y'all get up. <laughs> and it was like, boom. Not like, oh, I'm slowly getting better. We're kind of going to church more often. I'm kind of reading my Bible a little bit more. I'm <laughs> Only for it to decrease back to where it was comfortable again. You're not a better version of you. In this house, you have to be born again, truly. And I, as the washer for your soul, should see a change in your priorities. You gonna be over here judging me? Yes! <laughs> Not for condemnation or for some conclusion, but as a measuring stick to say, hey, everybody's growing, you're still little, everybody's growing, you're still short. There's been no change. Just cycles, cycles. Oh, I love the cycle song, cycles. There are no cycles with Christians. That's every rung goes higher. Dummies. I love that cycle song. That's my life because I be going through cycles. <laughs> we never sung that here. I never, never cared for it here. It perpetuates the idea that being saved is just being a better version of yourself, improving yourself, self-care. Being a Christian sometimes means no self-care. It means I am exhausted, my eyes are baggy, my feet hurt, my chest hurts, my life is falling apart, I ain't got no money, but I keep giving money out. Amen. Amen. You go, oh, no, have self-care. No, do the will of God Amen. above all. Above all. And in this case, then you'll have rulership. How many people would prefer to be the boss rather than the employee? Jesus. Okay, y'all gonna be in somebody's city <laughs> versus running somebody's city. You black like, pastor. I'm like, what's up? You this you? Yeah, this 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 me right here, all this me. I got this city, that city. What you do? Nothing. <laughs> if you worship and talking to the Lord, other people do the stuff. Just like there are levels and hierarchy in angels. There are levels and other people do certain things. My responsibility is to hear from the Father, manifest his will in my cities. Cities. When you talk about heavenly cities, actual kingdom come on earth, new creation Yeah, but oh yeah, in heaven. No, no. Rule with him on earth. Here, ninjas. Here. Amen. Like where the houses are that you saw that was wealthy, here. But ours is going to be better than that. It's going to be up in the city that's kind of above the earth. <laughs> it's going to be a pretty nice city. And the saints of God in this day can move from heaven to earth effortlessly. They can go right to the temple of the Father, the city of the Most High, and run their cities on earth. And they don't have to die or reborn again. It's just now you are of a glorified body. And your glorified body can participate in the things of the spirit realm and the natural realm. Easy peasy. Okay, so now go to Matthew 25. Matthew chapter 25. Verse 14. Again, people want to know... Um, when is the Lord's day coming? 
when is the kingdom of God coming? And so Jesus responds, watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour. For it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. To one he gave five talents, to another he gave two talents, and to each according to his ability. Then he went away. Hmm. This is different. Now you can hear the difference, can't you? This is not a retelling of the same parable. This is a telling of a different parable to show what else the kingdom is like. When they asked, when is the kingdom coming? He showed them how it's coming. Like, I'm going. It's, it's going to keep coming as it is. I'm just going to start appointing my servants to positions based off of how loyal and faithful they were in building my kingdom. Yes? Yeah. That's how the kingdom is coming, right? In this particular example, <coughs> he says, I'm going to give talents. I'm going to tell my servants to come. And now he gives talents based off of their what? Ability. ability. Talents are based off of your ability. I'm going to give you five. You're really good at that. I'm going to give you three. You're really good at that. I'm going to give you one. You're struggling. Does that make sense? Or the opposite. Maybe I'm going to give you five because you stuck. <laughs> and you need a lot of talents because you're going to make a lot of mistakes. But I can give you one. And you're going to really make it happen with that one. It doesn't really matter. Okay? But all we know is that the talents is based off of ability. ability. Okay. So everyone does not have the same talent. Even the number of talents, even though they have uh, given, were given the same menace. That's good. Yes? Before I was a pastor, before I was a pastor, I was a preacher. Before I was a preacher, I was a teacher. Before I was, no, before I was a pastor, I was an elder. Before I was an elder, I was a minister. Before I was a minister, I was a preacher. No. Before I was a pastor... <laughs> Before I was a pastor, I was an elder. Before I was an elder, I was a preacher. Before I was a preacher, I was, nope. I was an elder. I was a minister. Before I was a minister, I was a preacher. Before I was a preacher, I was a teacher. Before I was a teacher, I worked in the office. Before I was a teacher, I swept the floor. Before I was a teacher, I worked, I did Sunday school. Before I was a teacher, I serviced the kids. Make sense? Okay. Had the gift of teaching. Then I had the gift of preaching, right? Then I have the gift of evangelism. Then I got added the gift of prophecy. Then I got added the gift of apostleship and founding a church. You're given talents based off your abilities. Yes? Some of you could get more talents if you recognize that you are more able than you think. But you got to be faithful over one. You know, the parable still ends up the same. You got some, you made more, and you get more. I did good with my one, I got more. I did good working in the office. I, you know, started teaching Sunday school. I did good with that. You know, you just keep getting more. Y'all trying to be, jump right from here. I love the Lord. I'm going to be a preacher. Sit down. I'm about to be a minister to the nation. Sit down. I didn't even see you be faithful in sweeping these floors yet. I know I'm going to save my whole family. Really, are you? Because I don't even see you serving God. Not holistically, but you want everybody in your family to be saved, which means you want to be able to hold that key and unlock it. But I don't even see you being a faithful servant in the physical church. 
Where else are we going to see it? Who else is going to ordain that? If it's a spiritual work that you need, and I'm in charge of the spiritual works that pass through this congregation, if I don't see you doing physical work as unto the Lord, how in the world are we going to start passing out spiritual blessings? Because the physical work we do here translate to spiritual blessings up there. I be praying, uh uh-huh, and, 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 and. I mean, I be trying to read my Bible, and, and. You should be exhausted from serving God, not exhausted from living your life. We are not the same. But we need to be. We need to be. I'm only one person. Do you understand that? I can't do everything. And our church goes lacking because people that have the ability to do something are too busy doing their own lives. I was sick. Well, why didn't you take vitamin C? Why didn't you take better care of yourself? Why didn't you go for a walk? Every time I look up, you sick. Be a good steward of your physical health. You need vitamin C to fight off infection. When it's cloudy outside, you're not getting vitamin D, which makes vitamin C, which is why cold and flu keeps swirling around. So eat vitamin C. Take your coat off, put your shoes on, all the stuff your mama told you to do to stay healthy. Stay healthy. Or if you're not going to stay healthy, serve God when you're sick. Hello? Call off work, but come to church. Oh, no, I'm not going to go to church. I had to go to work this morning. I didn't even feel good. I'm not going to make it to church. Ain't your priorities backwards? Hello? Is my mic on? Is my mic on? Because I'm going to give whatever I have to the Lord first. And the world could have whatever is after. And since my provision is not contingent upon my work, but because he is Jehovah Jireh, I fear not that I give my soul strength to the Father first. Some of y'all working too hard because you don't work smart. You work for yourself rather than the Lord take care of you. Because you're so smart. You're smart. Sorry, let me, let me just go back to the scriptures. Now, after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with him, with them. And he who had received five talents came forward, bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents here. I have made five talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And, also, and he also who had two talents came forward saying, Master, you delivered to me two talents. I have made two talents more. He said, uh, his master said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. He also who had received the one talent came forward saying, Master, I need you to be a hard man. Reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you did not scatter no seed. So I was afraid and I went and I hid your talent in the ground. Here, here you have what is yours. 
But his master answered him, you wicked and slothful servant. You knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I have scattered no seed. Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers at my coming. I should have received what was mine plus with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to him who has ten talents. For to everyone who has, who has will, be, will, be, will more be given and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And cast the worthless servant into the outer darkness. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. What? What? When we looked at the minas, and everybody was given the same 10 minas, all right? Even if you ain't do good, you, you, you wasn't going with the enemies. He didn't say, bring my enemies and slaughter you too. No. But to the servants that he gave talents ab according to their ability. See, you're saying you serve me. And I'm giving you ways to serve me. Different than ways somebody else might serve me. You can sing and dance. You can teach and preach. You have got a, a kind heart. You can counsel and give. I'm giving you talents based off of what you know or you say as you came to the job interview is your ability. Somebody lied on this resume. So here's all your things I want you to do. I come back, you've done nothing because you feel like since I'm God, I can make impossible things happen. Here you go. I mean, at least I ain't lose it. I can still sing. I can still dance. I, I can still do this. I, I can still teach. Yeah, but you didn't grow it any. And what does he do to that servant? Jesus. Treat, puts him where the enemies are going. Yeah. Why? Because the entire time you call yourself a servant amongst the servants, giving, being gifted by God, and you know you received his gift, you are counterintuitive to the kingdom of God and an enemy. Oh, you sing? Great. Multiply it. You can't multiply it. Why? Because you're thotting on the side. I don't even know if that's a thing. You know, you, you, you're still doing that. So now that gift is not growing. You got the same level of singing. You can't do nothing else besides singing and barely that. Because if I took you off of singing, you ain't got no other gifts. When I tried you on, it didn't work. Right? See, now you, you, you're a hypocrite. Because everyone can recognize that God gave you a gift. See, when it comes to the menace, everybody got the same menace. Does that make sense? Everybody got the same name of Jesus they can call on. Everybody got the same mercy and the same grace. Everybody got the same spirit. But when it comes to his talents, he gave it specifically to you. And everyone can tell that you were gifted by God to do something and you did nothing. Which means, according to others, you look like God chose you, but you don't really live like God chose you. Look like an enemy in the camp to me. Oh, I'm for renew, but you're talking about us. Look like an enemy in the camp to me. Oh, I love my church, but you ain't show up. Look like an enemy in the camp to me. Do you understand? You wearing a t-shirt, but you're not actually supporting us when it's time to go out. 
you always got something else to do. How many times you gonna think you gonna keep? I'm gonna keep hearing this come from your mouth, and I'm not gonna look at you side eye. I am not Jesus. I will side eye your tail, as you should. You need a side eye with your selfish self. If we know you have a gift, but we don't see you use it and grow it in God, you're a hypocrite. Because everybody can say only God can bless you with that. Oh, man, that hurts you, God. That's a gift from God. Oh, your soft nature, you know, you're so compassionate. That had to come from God. And we don't see it no more. It don't turn into nothing else. Pastor doesn't ask you to become a group leader. Pastor doesn't ask you to become a department lead, to, be, to, to run for tribe chief. She's, she's not showing you any other gifts that God might be able to give you another talent for, which means everybody knows that God chose you. And we watch that you're not living it. You are working against the body of Christ. Does that make sense? Oh, yes. It's different than you got menace. We all make it in. I'm in heaven. <laughs> right? Nah. Because that, on that playing field, everybody's the same. But these are talents, not menace. He specifically called you out, sanctified you took your past and changed it into something new specifically that you might have a talent that can be multiplied and you not even using it. All you do is tell about how God brought you through, but we see no evidence of growth. God delivered me. We see no evidence of growth. God saved me. We see no evidence. We can say, yes, that's a miraculous testimony. And... Yes, that's glorious what God did. He, he saved you from the car accident. And? Oh, God rescued you. You almost died there. And? If we all can attest that that thing came from God, why don't we see anymore? Standing all over the house. Standing all over the house. Standing all over the house. 